Welcome back to another episode of Alarm Clock Ministries. My name is Aaron. I'm sorry it's been a while. I just moved, so time has been a little scarce. I haven't even quite settled in all the way yet, but this episode is long overdue and a sensitive topic for some. But it needs to be said. I hope that I will not become an enemy for telling you the truth, but this needs to be heard. Please just hear me out. Consider this. Look throughout the entire Bible, and you will not find one word of Christmas being celebrated by any of Jehovah's people. It is not even mentioned once. Neither the Messiah nor any of his apostles ever observed this holiday, neither did the New Testament church. Christmas, among other secular holidays like Easter, Thanksgiving, Halloween, and New Year's Day are all pagan in origin. Today I'm going to be focusing on Christmas. First I want to address the less contested fact that Yeshua was never born on or around December 25th. It's well known by the Christians and among scholars that Yeshua was born near the months of August or September on the Gentile calendar during the Feast of Sukkot, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. During the winter months there is a usually heavy rainfall and it's cold so the shepherds wouldn't be in the field. But if you look at the scriptures, Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So how, then, would December be the correct time frame? Historically in Israel, the flocks are only in the field March through early November. The pagan holiday, now known as Christmas, was celebrated long before Yeshua even walked the earth. In fact, it wasn't until 324 A.D., under Constantine that the Roman Catholic Church adopted the pagan festivals to try to drag pagans into Christianism that the Christian world started getting drug into celebrating the holidays. In fact, it was even illegal at one point in the United States to celebrate Christmas or even example the quote-unquote holiday spirit. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So all this spawns off of Nimrod and Babylon. Nimrod, the king and founder of the First World Empire at Babel, was known as Osiris in Egypt, as seen in Genesis chapters 10 through 11, and through other sources like the Epics of Gilgamesh or the Book of Rolls, we learn more about this story. The symbol of the fir tree is to represent Nimrod and his new life through his son Tammuz. Both Nimrod and Tammuz share the same birthday of December 25th, which just so happens to be the same day that the pagans consider to be the birthday of the sun god. Both Nimrod and Tammuz share the same birthday of December 25th, which just so happens to be the same day the pagans consider to be the birth of the sun, as at this time of year, after the solstice, the sun begins to rise higher in the sky. Now keep in mind, this man led the first revolt against God after the flood, building the tower to exalt himself and launch a war against God. He actually married his own mother, Semiramis known amongst the Egyptians as Isis, and also the basis for the other deity, Ishtar. This gets into Easter, but we aren't covering that today. If you want to prove all the holidays wrong before you quit celebrating them, I suggest you do some research of your own. So Nimrod more or less gained infamy and was renowned as a god, little g, and is the basis for pretty much all the legends of the quote-unquote sun gods, also little g. After the destruction of the Tower of Babylon, Shem, one of Noah's sons, slew Nimrod, castrated and dismembered Nimrod, 
and strew him all about the land of Shinar. So at some point, Semiramis claimed to be impregnated by the rays of the sun and gave birth to baby Tammuz, who was also known as in Egypt as Horus. And he just so happened to be born on the 25th, the reincarnated, or quote-unquote, new life of Nimrod. This is also where we see the fir tree reemerge as the springing forth of new life or rebirth because the fir tree sprung forth overnight from a dead stump on which some of his blood fell, or so it's said. It is also said that Nimrod would visit the trees and leave gifts thereupon the anniversary of his birth. Now this is where all the typologies of Yule come from with the stump or yule log burning, and then the next morning you would have the tree decorated with the serpent wrapped around it, um, the serpent otherwise being known as the tinsel of the tree. So in Egypt, the story of Horus, son of Isis, the Egyptian title for the Queen of Heaven, all spawns from this story of Nimrod. The ancient Egyptians also celebrated what is known today as Christmas by bringing trees into their homes for their winter solstice festival. They would then decorate their trees with the testicles they cut off of animals they sacrificed, dipping them in silver and gold, hanging them on the tree representing Nimrod Schmeckel more or less. Uh, the children would then leave presents under the tree. This is also where the star being put on top of the tree originates from, as they would put the dog star Sirius atop the tree, which would symbolize Anubis, or the god of the dead. Also, again, with the god, little g. So, Santa also originates from Babylon as the uh, little g god, Molech, and is seen in Yule as Odin. Uh, this part of the festival season of the pagans usually involved some sort of child sacrifice uh, to these deities. Um, this is seen in the Bible even more so in the books removed from Daniel, where they would heat the Molech statue up and get it glowing red hot, and then offer children upon the lap of the idol. So if you think about it, people lining up at the mall to sit their child down on the lap of the red man is in a way practicing the same thing without the loss of an innocent child's life, of course, but still giving him over to the deity nonetheless. Think about this. You're also inviting this Satan, I mean Santa, into your house through your fireplace by the same means that they used to heat the idol up in the days of old. Another example of this is looking at the pictures of Nimrod, or the uh, depictions of Nimrod holding the deer in the tree, and the older pictures of Satan, I mean Santa, um, doing the same. Anyway... The Romans also celebrated this same thing through the sun god, little g of course, Mithra, which is also another typology of Christmas with the Sol Invictus rituals of the unconquered sun, as the Catholic Church calls it, when they combined the lawless festivals of Saturnalia, Sigillaria, and Mithraism into the same holiday. Guess what? They also used the fir tree. So Mithra just so happens to be the Persian name for Tammuz, by the way. The Romans called it the Nativity of the Sun. So, let's take a look at Jeremiah chapter 10, which says, 
Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain, for one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and gold, they fasten it with nails and with hammers, that it move not. This is a very disputed verse that actually ties the pagan traditions of Christmas celebrated today as it was many millennia ago. As I pointed out, it's precisely how the Egyptians worshipped their quote-unquote sun god, little g. The Nordic Druids did something very similar with the bringing in of Yuletide, burning a giant log, and then having the tree decorated the next day. Now I am only giving you short examples to these things so you can look into these things yourself. There's plenty of information on the subject, and I find it means more if you discover it for yourself than if I just tell you. Now remember, when we confront Scripture, we confront the authority of God himself. Many today think it is okay to celebrate these holidays, but the opinions of men are not our standard or authority. So what does Scripture say? According to the prophet Malachi, Jehovah does not change, Malachi 3, verse 8. His laws and commandments are eternal, Psalm 111, verses 7 through 8. Does Jehovah say it is all right to observe these traditions and pagan customs? Jehovah God commanded ancient Israel, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. Leviticus 18, 2 through 4. Deuteronomy 12, 29 through 32 says, The Lord your God will cut off before you the nations you are about to invade and dispossess. But when you have driven them out and settled in their land, and after they have been destroyed before you, you must not worship the Lord your God in their way, because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of things detestable that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. See that you do all that I command you, and do not add to it or take away from it. Leviticus 18, 24-30 states, Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that I am going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. Anyone who does any of these, these detestable things, such persons must be cut off from their people. Keep my requirements and do not follow any of these detestable customs that were practiced before you came and do not defile yourselves with them. 
I am the Lord your God. So if you cannot see by now, it's because you don't want to see. I'm sorry to say it that way, but it's the truth. In Exodus, the Lord says unto Moses what his mark would be. Exodus 13, verse 9, And it shall be a sign unto thee upon thine hand, and a memorial between thine eyes, that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. By no means I come to you as being perfect, because I used to celebrate these holidays, but I am glad that my eyes have been opened and I know the truth. So please look into it for yourself and seek him. Look for his truth in his ways. Dare to be different, for his people are a set-apart people, a different people who don't conform to the ways of the rest of the world. Celebrate his feasts, his holy days, his ways, and his laws. I'll leave you with this. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-6 through 6. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked.